Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 178. Welcome to 2021. Hi, I'm Neil. It feels good to be back with the Above Avalon podcast. It's been a while since we last talked with each other. I hope all of you had a great Christmas, a great holiday season, and especially a good new year. It's hard to believe it's already mid-January. This episode is going to be different from the usual one. And actually, this is the first episode that I am recording today. I am going to record another episode after this one. So I think that's the first time that's happened, in which I am recording two episodes in the same day. But there is a pretty good reason. Back in December 2020, a couple weeks ago, I published an article over at AboveAvalon.com titled Above Avalon Year in Review. Given the schedule and how it turned out, I never ended up recording a podcast episode for that article. And the response that I got to that article was pretty good. A lot of people reached out to me saying they enjoyed how that article went. They liked how I talked about a lot of different topics facing Apple in 2020. It helped them prepare for 2021. And so given that feedback and with the schedule sort of getting a little bit less crazy I think now is a good time to actually record a podcast episode corresponding to that weekly article. The second episode today that I will record is about Apple's buyback, so stay tuned for that one. Longtime Above Avalon readers and listeners will be familiar with my set of questions facing Apple as we enter a new year. It sort of became a tradition here at Above Avalon. This year, though, I'm not doing that. So I will not be publishing a new set of questions facing Apple in 2021. There won't be a podcast episode dedicated to going over all of those questions. There was a simple reason why I moved away from the questions. As I was going through Apple's business, it occurred to me that a lot of the questions facing Apple in 2021 are similar to the questions Apple faced in 2020. And so it felt very repetitive to just simply ask the same questions each year. And as we will talk about in a little bit in this episode, some of the questions facing Apple, they're not really about the next 12 months. Instead, they're regarding the next couple of years. And so that's why I decided to move away from asking a new set of questions each year. Instead, I dedicated time and energy to reviewing Apple's year. And that was the driver for publishing the Above Avalon Year in Review for 2020. I went through all of the research and analysis that I published over the past 12 months, picked out what I thought were the most interesting articles, updates, podcast episodes, even exhibits, and also some of my favorites. I then looked to see if there were some themes that jumped out, maybe some connecting ideas that a number of articles touched upon. And it ended up being a great way of seeing how Apple did in 2020. Even more interestingly, it was almost like an alternative to my set of questions facing Apple. Because by looking at how Apple did in 2020, I think we are in a great position to see how Apple set up for 2021. So at this point, let's dive into a little bit of the year in review, go over some of the major themes that hit Apple during the year. And I think by the end of the episode, we're going to have a pretty good lay of the land for what is facing Apple in 2021. If we go back 12 months, January 
2020. The big question facing Apple was found with growth. Apple had reached a billion users. Would Apple be able to reach 2 billion users in the 2020s by continuing to do what it had been doing? Or would more in the way of strategy shifts be needed? This is a great example of how this question facing Apple in 2020, it really wasn't just about the next 12 months. Instead, it was almost the next 10 years. As it did with every company, the pandemic turned 2020 into a steady stream of unexpected challenges for Apple. The company needed to figure out a way to continue product development on a global scale with little to no employee travel. For some companies, that may be a challenge, but very workable. However, for Apple, that employee travel is crucial. So when we go back to February, March, the lockdowns, the travel restrictions, it definitely raised questions as to how Apple was going to proceed with product development, both for new products in 2020, but also products that Apple was working on for 2021 and even 2022. We could turn to Apple retail. It needed to be completely rethought as social distancing initiatives rolled out the usual crowded Apple stores. There were then Apple events, WWDC, the usual product unveilance. They needed to go virtual. In terms of how the pandemic impacted Apple from a financial perspective, according to my estimate, Apple saw approximately $20 billion of delayed demand in fiscal year 2020 as a result of the pandemic. Approximately 15 million iPhone upgrades were delayed. We also had wearable sales face pressure as retail stores were closed. As it turns out, people buy a lot of Apple Watches by being able to go to an Apple store and trying them on, looking at all the different options. We can even extend this to talk about wireless AirPods and how a product like that derives value when people are on the go, when people do a lot of traveling, a lot of commuting. And so as people spent time inside, as travel came to a halt, well, Apple wearable sales, they faced pressure. Partially offsetting those headwinds, iPad and Mac results have been stellar. Consumers are upgrading older machines. They're looking for larger displays. It's all about supporting work at home and distance learning. In 2020, I published 15 above Avalon articles. And looking through all the articles, there was one overarching theme. Apple's improving competitiveness in comparison to that of its peers and the steps the company is taking to position itself for continued ecosystem growth in the 2020s. Five articles in particular jumped out at me. And also there were five corresponding podcast episodes that jumped out on me. So we'll quickly go over each one. I will also include links to the podcast episodes in the show notes. So you can go back and listen to them. The first article was Apple is pulling away from the competition. Relying on an obsession with the user experience, Apple is removing oxygen from every market that it plays in. At the same time, the tech landscape is riddled with increasingly bad bets, indifference, and a lack of vision. The end result is Apple's pulling away from the competition to a degree that we haven't ever seen before. We can look at the smartphone space. 
tablet space, smartwatches, wireless headphones, and I think in content as well. We are seeing Apple reach a level of success that many people were not expecting. Diving deeper into this theme led to the next article, The Secret to Apple's Ecosystem. Because when you look at what is happening in the tech landscape, we see Apple pulling away from the competition. But why? And how? The answers are found with the ecosystem that Apple's building. It remains misunderstood. There's still much unknown as to what makes Apple's ecosystem tick. Why do loyalty and satisfaction rates increase as customers move deeper into the ecosystem? Apple's ecosystem ends up being about more than just a collection of devices or services. Instead, Apple's building something much larger. It's all about experiences. Apple is building an experiences ecosystem. A lot of people enter this ecosystem with the iPhone. That's the first Apple product. Over time, as that satisfaction rate increases from using that iPhone, these users are buying more devices. They're buying Apple services. And because of the integration between hardware, software, and services, you're seeing the satisfaction rates continue to stay high. The loyalty only getting stronger. It's because people aren't necessarily viewing these as just devices and services, but they're viewing it as experiences. And this is also why it's so difficult for the competition to compete. If you want to go up against Apple, you can't just come up with an alternative to the iPhone. You can't just come up with an alternative to the Apple Watch or an alternative to Apple Music or Apple TV+. You're increasingly needing to come up with alternatives for it all. You need to come up with alternatives for Apple experiences. That's very difficult to do. And we are at the point where I think we have to start asking the question, can it actually be done? The third article, a billion iPhone users, a billion people now have iPhones. The importance found with that is because the iPhone for so many people was the entry point for the ecosystem, you still have hundreds of millions of iPhone users who don't have other Apple products yet. They don't have Apple services yet. They're still in the beginning phase of this transition. This is one reason why I think Apple's ecosystem growth, it's still being underestimated. The next article, Apple Watch and a Paradigm Shift in Computing, was about looking forward. Despite being only four years old, the Apple Watch has fundamentally changed the way we use technology. Many tech analysts and pundits continue to look at the Apple Watch as nothing more than an iPhone accessory, an extension of the smartphone that will never have the means or capability of being revolutionary. Such a view is misplaced as it ignores how the Apple Watch has already ushered in a paradigm shift in computing. Products like Apple Watch and wearables in general are intriguing because when we take a look at Apple's ecosystem of premium experiences, well, there has to be a way for those experiences to evolve. Going forward, how does Apple come up with new experiences, more personal experiences? Well, the answer is found with wearables. 
It's found with taking new form factors, new approaches to manufacturing and design, and of course technology, to come up with an experience that you just can't get with existing products. That's why my focus continues to be on Apple Watch and more recently wireless AirPods. And in the coming years, wearables for the eyes. The fifth article that was really my favorite for 2020, Apple's $460 billion stock buyback. Share buybacks came under fire earlier in 2020. Some companies that were recent buyers of their shares found themselves in financial distress and seeking bailouts due to economic fallout from the pandemic. A very good argument can be made that Apple became the poster child of responsible share repurchases in 2020. The company has relied on its stellar free cash flow to fund share repurchases over the years. Speaking of share buyback, the second episode that I will be recording today will be about Apple buyback and why I think the debate surrounding Apple's buyback program has ended. And Apple won. So those were my five favorite articles published in 2020. The funny thing is, when I looked at the most popular above Avalon articles in 2020 measured by page views, they were identical to my favorites list. So those five articles ended up being also the most popular above Avalon articles. In terms of the podcast episodes, so for each one of those articles, I did record a podcast episode. Episode 163, A Revolution on the Wrist. Episode 167, A Stock Buyback Poster Child. Episode 170, Pulling Away from the Competition. 171, The Apple Ecosystem. And 175, iPhone at a Billion. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I will include links to those five episodes in the show notes. I guess I probably will include links to the articles as well. But if you haven't listened to those episodes, I actually think a great way is to maybe make those into its own little playlist. And I think that will be a great way of summing up Apple's 2020. And it's also going to provide a good foundation for thinking of Apple in 2021. Turning to my favorite charts and exhibits, there were three that really jumped out at me. The first was the number of users. While Apple new user growth rates have slowed, the company's still bringing in tens of millions of users into the fold. Due to Apple's views regarding innovation and its focus on the user experience, once someone enters the Apple ecosystem, odds are good that customer will remain in the ecosystem. When Apple entered the 2010s, their install base, according to my estimate, was 123 million users. And at the end of 2019, the install base was over a billion users. So that is an incredible amount of growth. And this is also why I positioned Apple's plan to get to 2 billion users as really the big question facing the company over the next 10 years. The second chart that really jumped out at me was Apple's non-iPhone revenue growth. Apple finds itself in an ecosystem expansion phase. Hundreds of millions of people with only one Apple device and iPhone are now embarking on a search for more premium Apple experiences. How do you measure that? Take a look at non-iPhone revenue. 
that total is growing by double digits in the back half of 2020 on a trailing 12-month basis. That kind of growth is better than the rate seen in the mid-2010s. And given how that revenue total has grown so much over the years, for year-over-year growth rates to actually accelerate, that really says something. The last chart was the Apple Innovation Feedback Loop. And this was related to the Mac's transition to Apple Silicon. With Apple Silicon, Apple took lessons learned from personal devices such as Apple Watches, iPhones, and iPads to help push less personal devices like the Mac forward. If Apple is successful in pushing the boundaries of a computer forward with the Mac, Apple could then leverage that to help push mobile devices forward, which can then help push wearable devices forward. And before you know it, you have a feedback loop. As wearables are pushed forward, well, you could take those lessons and put them towards mobile devices. Take lessons learned from mobile and use them to push the Mac. Another way of saying this is that Apple is in a really good position to push its entire product line forward at the same time. This is ultimately made possible by the grand unified theory of Apple products, in which a product category's design is tied to the role it is meant to play relative to other Apple products. This takes us to the daily updates. In 2020, I published 196 Above Avalon daily updates that were available exclusively to Above Avalon members. Each update came in at approximately 2,000 words. So that means 196 updates were equivalent to seven books. This continues to be an industry-leading number when it comes to the amount of Apple business and strategy analysis published. And I do take pride in that. Looking over all of the topics and stories discussed in the daily updates from 2020, a few sub-themes become apparent. The first one is Apple and the pandemic. When the pandemic began during the first half of 2020, there was much unknown as to how a company like Apple would be impacted. It eventually became clear that Apple and its peers were positioned to do okay during the pandemic, although new ways of thinking would be needed to navigate the work from home and all the travel restrictions. A few topics that I pursued in greater detail was how big tech was gaining power during the pandemic, some of Apple's solutions for developing hardware in the middle of a pandemic when you have all these travel restrictions, and then Apple's place in a stay-at-home economy. The next sub-theme was video streaming. With Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus launching in late 2019, and HBO Max and Peacock launching in mid-2020, 2020 turned out to be the legitimate start of the paid video streaming battle. As a true new kid on the block, Apple learned quite a bit about being more than just a distributor of other people's content. Topics talked about in the daily updates included my estimate for the number of subscribers for Apple TV Plus and Apple's in-house content studio. I also talked extensively about Disney. I thought 2020 was a really big year for Disney. I think Disney is streaming's new poster child. Other topics include Apple and movies. I think there was a lot Apple learned about how we can use blockbuster movies to help boost Apple TV+. And then there was just a lot of interesting competitive analysis regarding Roku and Amazon and how they're embracing Peacock and HBO Max. 
The third sub-theme was the App Store. Apple's pulling away from the competition, and the App Store is considered the best and last chance for competitors to reshape the mobile industry to their liking. A series of legal and PR battles were waged against the App Store by a handful of smaller app developers and larger Apple competitors. I published updates dedicated to the tech CEOs testifying in front of Congress. We had Epic Games breaking App Store guidelines, and really just the ugly battle between Epic and Apple. There was then the Coalition for App Fairness and what I viewed as a new guerrilla warfare tactic against the App Store. And finally, there was the House Antitrust Report on Big Tech and what I thought were some massive holes in that report. So the updates closely followed all of the ups and downs on Apple's regulatory front. When looking at the daily updates published in 2020, selecting a handful of favorites out of 196 updates was not an easy task. But a few did jump out at me, and I included those in the Above Avalon Year interview, which is available over at AboveAvalon.com. One had to do with Apple's organizational structure and leadership structure. The other was about Nike and the similarity between Nike and Apple. One update was focused on iPhone momentum building in Europe and Apple's good timing with the iPhone SE. I think those were two sub-themes found in the iPhone business. In terms of Wall Street, one update was focused on valuing big tech on free cash flow and how Apple's valuation on a free cash flow basis looks pretty different than if you're looking at Apple valuation on a forward price-to-earnings ratio. Then there was an update focused on Apple acquiring NextVR, the idea of Apple Glasses, and the broader concept of a wearables platform for the face. And then one update was about Warren Buffett and his annual letter and the power of Apple retained earnings. And then in terms of new products launched in 2020, we have the daily podcast. So in 2020, Above Avalon daily updates became available in audio for the first time via a private podcast called Above Avalon Daily. Adoption and feedback to the daily podcast continues to exceed my expectations. The podcast has allowed members to consume the daily updates in new and different ways while around the house, on a walk, or in the car. Above Avalon Daily was launched in August 2020. And there were 66 episodes published in 2020, totaling nearly 17 hours of audio. Once a member signs up for the daily podcast, all prior episodes become available for listening in podcast players that support private podcasts. So if you enjoy this podcast, which is free and accessible to everyone, I think you really would be interested in listening to Above Avalon Daily and having Above Avalon in your podcast reader throughout the week. Without question, 2020 ended up being the busiest year for Apple since Above Avalon was launched in 2014. There was no shortage of newsworthy stories, and all indicators point to the fast pace continuing into 2021. A big thank you goes out to Above Avalon readers, listeners, and members for making 2020 another successful year for Above Avalon. That is going to conclude today's episode. I will now get ready to record the second episode of the day, this time talking about Apple buyback. So I will talk to you all soon.